Hi, and welcome to Traditional Medicine Podcast. I am your host, Carl Lovick. Today, we're going to talk about the Kiro. Who are the Kiro? If you haven't heard about the Kiro, this would be a good podcast to kind of get you a little more familiar with this community of healers. And we do work with them at Traditional Medicine. So if you want to go to traditionalmedicinemiami.com to find out how we work with the Kiro community, go ahead and check that out. But they are incredible, world-renowned healers, and we're going to talk about them today. If this is the first time that you've tuned into this podcast, just know that we talk all things High Andean and Amazonian healing traditions of Peru. So for nine years, I've been pretty much volunteering for healers of all kinds. More than half of that time has been spent with Amazonian healers and healers from the High Andes. And this is really just about bridging that gap for people who don't have too much experience with them, but might be interested in learning about them. So this is what this podcast is all about. All right, so let's get started talking about the Kiro. So before I kind of get into detail about the Kiro, about their history, about their community life and things like this, here's kind of the rundown on the Kiro. The Kiro are world-renowned healers, like I mentioned. They've been visited by people like the Dalai Lama, and they're regarded as pretty much one of the last group of wisdom keepers on this planet. There's a few reasons why they're regarded in such a way. One of those reasons is because they've been able to retain their pre-Columbian culture and spiritual traditions. They've been able to do this by basically isolating themselves and keeping their culture safe from Spanish rule. So before I talk about the specific history details that you could probably Google and find online, I want to give you a glimpse of what it's like to be around this community of healers. I want you to get a glimpse of just how special they are. Everything about the Kiro is really magical, and it starts with their reservation, the place that they ended up settling on when they escaped Spanish rule. Now, it is so high up there that if you've ever been to the reservation, you can see that they are living above the clouds. That's how high up they are. And this isn't a place where anyone could just go to. There's no tourist economy, anything like this. This is a very private community. But um, they mentioned the clouds and how they have their own protection. The clouds provide an energetic pr protection for them. And I mean, I think from there, it's just you really have to keep your, your mind open to just enjoy the magic of their world. So we were staying there. I was staying there. It's incredibly cold at night and I was staying in a tent and it gets below zero at night. And it is really, uh, for me, it was really challenging. I had never been uh, so high up and I had never really been in such cold weather, especially out in a tent like that. And uh, I was just happy. I was so happy to be challenged. But um, that night we ended up having dinner with 15 of the Kiros and it was about maybe eight of us that went to visit. So we were, we were all sitting around and we were sharing potato stew that they had made. And they added a, um, an herb that really kind of tasted like rosemary but wasn't. It was something very, very particular, very something I've never had before. And it was just really this good, yummy stew that we were sharing. And we were also sharing um, wild tobacco as well. And our friend Ivan was like, uh, why don't we give them catch your name so it's easier for everybody to pronounce? 
And we're like, great, that sounds awesome. And so the 15 Kiros very quickly were looking at us and looking at us not in a physical way, but in a very spiritual, energetic way. And I was really blown away because they were looking at us and they were looking at our our spiritual makeup, where we came from, our place in in the world, our medicine. I mean, they just went really deep. And I knew some of these things about myself through the work that I've done. And the Kiro really blew me away. I mean, they knew right away and not even trying. They were looking at everybody and just seeing right through us. And I mean, really right through us. They were not only telling me things I knew, but just, I mean, a hundred billion things I didn't know. And very easily, very casually, while they were all deciding on our names, they're all looking at the same picture. And right away, I, I realized the synchronicity that was going on between them. And they were looking at us in a very uh, spiritual way. And they were all in that spiritual perspective. And somehow they were inhabiting the same spiritual perspective, which was obviously much more elevated than than ours because we don't look and see them see everything in that way, <laughs> but they do. So um, clearly there was a difference. And I thought it was really special because when they were trying to decide what to call us, they were really just kind of looking at the same picture. And the only thing that they were kind of like, mm, maybe this, maybe that. Um, but they were, it was almost like they were debating on colors, but they were just like really narrowing down that shade. So they were looking at the same shade, but they're trying to come up with the right name to describe it. It was really incredible to me, especially coming from a more individualistic society where we can't really even agree on what we're looking at in the physical. We can't agree on a lot of things. And for the Kiro, it was really easy, really easy to agree on things, really easy to be in sync. They were like a flock of birds flying perfectly in unison together because they knew where that north was. I was really blown away by that. And I'm like, wow, we could do that. We could do that as humans. We could really be that in sync and we could be that in sync at such a high energetic uh, place together. Wow. So they opened the door to another world that perhaps maybe we lived in in an ancient time, but certainly we have lost touch with that today. But they are a true treasure because they still hold that world and it is, it's really a blessing. I have uh, roots in Chile. My mother's Chilean and she is indigenous and Spanish. And there's a lot of things that she has tried very hard to instill in me. And when I was reunited, I feel reunited with the Kiro. Um, I realized that a lot of these customs that she was trying to teach me, trying to pass down, were really coming from them. They had influenced modern Chilean society so much, the Quechua community, perhaps even you could say the Incan empire and the remnants of it had such a powerful influence still today on culture. And I was able to to see where everything came from. And I, I felt like I was really reunited with my great, 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 great grandparents. And I'm like, wow, it's you. It's really, it's just a blessing. It is like being able to take a time machine back into time and, and see the world from, from an ancient society's point of view. So that is a little bit of just a glimpse of what it's like to be around them all right, now I'm going to go and check out what Wikipedia has regarding the Kiro. So here is the Kiro's page. They say that the Kiro 
is a Quechua-speaking community or ethnic group dwelling in the province of Pucartambo in the Cusco region of Peru. And it goes on to say that basically the Kiro have been in isolation in the high Andes mountains until the 1950s when they came across Dr. Oscar Nunez del Prado. So after that uh, introduction, they were basically reintroduced into the world, although they were in contact with people, especially in the region of Pucartambo. But that is basically when everybody started to learn about the Kiro. That is really when they started to open up their doors to other people. Now, the Kiro are an agricultural society or community. They farm and they herd llamas and alpacas. At that altitude, pretty much all you can farm is potatoes, but a little lower you can farm corn. So that is really kind of what they do. They work a lot with stones, although now I th I believe they're starting to work with concrete as well, but um, really a lot of stone houses that you see built there. Um, in terms of education, um, I think we're seeing something really interesting. We're, we're seeing like the first wave of bilingual Kiro children. And the reason for this is because there aren't a lot of quality education options on the reservation, unfortunately. So families are are more and more starting to send kids to neighboring towns to access public education offered by the Peruvian government. Now, when they go to these public schools, there aren't any resources for them to help them transition from Quechua to Spanish and, and kind of learn. So it is really kind of a difficult transition. They're almost like immigrants in their own country. And it is a little harder because their parents are only Quechua speakers. So they're really having to just kind of be thrown in the water and expected to swim. Luckily, they are incredibly brilliant and are able to to handle it like pros. Um, not only that, but they're coming into a very different society, a very different culture. It's a complete culture shock, but they are really handling it incredibly well. As an immigrant myself, I was really kind of thrown into the water um, and it was a culture shock for sure, but nothing, nothing, nothing compared to what the Kiro youth have to deal with. I was speaking with one of the one of the kids uh, by the name of Inti, but I remember a conversation with Inti who is also a healer and who comes from a, a lineage of healers. And he was saying how, you know, he really doesn't want to go into Cusco to earn a living because sometimes the harvest aren't the best, really due to global warming. Things are changing so much and it really is affecting the way that uh, they used to live. So now they're having to kind of adapt and, and step into modern Peruvian societies and figure out how to get what they need. So he was mentioning, man, I really don't want to go to Cusco. I love it here. I love my life here, but I do need to provide for myself and my family whenever I need extra things. And uh, I was really happy to hear that this project is coming together because I, I want to stay here and I, I want to continue to do what I do here. And uh, and I'm just really excited about it. So they are so proud of, of the wisdom that their community holds and they understand the importance of continuing to pass it on and, uh, and hold on to it. They are very much aware of the connection 
to Mother Earth and the Apus, and they are very much as as spiritual as as their parents, as their grandparents. So it is really uh, an important time to support this community to make sure that they are, are having everything that they need and in a way that could benefit their community as well as ours. Because we want to make sure that they continue to, to hold on to that wisdom that they've been holding on for so long because we're definitely going to need them uh, in times to come and certainly now. So that is a little bit about the Kiro. And I'm not going to get into the spiritual stuff. I'm not going to get into this history history that they uh, they have shared with us regarding their origins, uh, things like that, because we're going to save that for the next episode. And we will talk about that some more then. But thank you so much for tuning in. And if you haven't followed us on Instagram, go ahead and do that. Let's keep in touch. Can't wait to see you all again. Thank you so much. And we'll see you soon.